Hello and welcome to Growing Trends. Tonight, Anne and I are interviewing Jan Johnson, a landscape architect from New York. Hi Jan, this is Chris. Hi Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. Jan has just written a fascinating book called Heaven is a Garden. Wow. Hi. Hi Jan, by the way. Hi, Hi Jan. Wow, that's exciting. I totally get that. Let, okay. let's, let's sort of wind back for just a second, and Anne will do a quick introduction for you. Okay, and, good. Um, good and then, and then well, we you're, can... You're going to do the quick introduction. I'll right. do the conclusion. All right. So what we'll do now is we'll do it in reverse, okay? I'll try not to speak backwards, but um, <laughs> garden A is heaven. No, sorry. Heaven is a garden. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, you've got, to have a, yeah, you've got to have a sense of humor around here, right? <laughs> okay, like, so, this, is my, this is my sequel. Is it, oh, it is? Garden is no, heaven? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, you don't have to. I've got lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of garden books. I just love them. But here's, here's what I should be doing, okay? So it's, this is Chris speaking from his hideaway. Let us introduce Jan Johnson from New York, I believe, isn't it, Yes, Jan? yes, right. And Jan has written a number of books. I just happen to have received a copy of Heaven is a Garden, which is just exquisite. It's very, put it, not contemporary, is it? It's more traditional gardening of a, a bygone era. A heavenly ways. sort, I would guess. Well, you like natural materials, don't you? Oh, I like natural it's, materials, yes. And I, and I often say that it's a new old look at uh, the art of garden design. Because I, 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 I look to the ancestors for a lot of the ideas. I, I think I would have to agree with that because we always used to use brick natural stone and timber wherever possible i'd never use concrete ever and it's because one the, the colors never fade two they always seem to be harmonious together and three you can do so many things with them because nature is just that way but i agree so do tell me a little bit again about how you got to where you are now okay that sounds like a open-ended question which i'd love to answer well i've been in the landscape design profession for over 40 years. I started out in architecture and I was, went to Japan as a intern. And of course, I walked into those Japanese, famous legendary Japanese gardens in mm -hmm. Kyoto and just fell in love. The minute I walked into those gardens, I felt the stress drop off of me and I felt totally renewed because working in an architecture office was so very stressful. Did you ever and manage I, to build a Japanese garden? Well, yes. Uh, well, Japanese-inspired, yes, I do. Yes. Wow, I've never been able to do that. Jap I always say Japanese-inspired because, you know, it's not a pure Japanese garden, but, yeah, Japanese-inspired garden. So what happened was I went back to the architecture office and proceeded to put the building underground and designed all the pathways and <laughs> here's the bridge. And my sensei, my Boss, he said to me in Japanese, you're not an architect. He said, you're a landscape architect. And that's how I, I ended up in doing this work. I went to Hawaii and the university there, and I studied landscape architecture. For all these many decades that I've been in the profession, I've always attempted to inject that feeling of serenity that I felt low those many years ago while walking in a Japanese garden. I developed you know, distinct design ideas and approaches and, and took some from, from traditional sources and put them into the landscapes that I create for other people. That's kind of become my 
signature, you know, the serene outdoor setting. And I decided it was time to uh, share my ideas and techniques and idea and uh, tech and tips with other people. And that's what made me write my book, Heaven is a Garden, Designing Serene Outdoor Spaces for Inspiration and Reflection. This is a beautiful book, Jan. Oh, thank you so much, Ann. Thank you. I, I just am pausing on the page that says plant a cathedral of trees. Uh, oh, yes. Where you've, yes, where you've lined out these trees and then it, it looks like it is a grid of, uh, you know, concrete or stone of some kind, but the effect that you've achieved through the patterning and the placement of the ground material and the plant material is just, it is amazing what you've created well, there. Well, you know, that that's in the chapter devoted to trees. And, you know, I start off with, you noticed I say the trees are nature's recharger, that we actually become renewed and refreshed and recharged when we're, with you know, under the canopy of trees. That goes back to, Absolutely. to those discussions of the energies of the trees. And, and I do feel that way. I feel that, um, you know, the, you know that whole adage about hugging trees? Well, I really do feel there's something to that, that the trees are, are like sentinels and they give a kind of a the stability and grounding to the area that surrounds it. If you well, have I think a, it's more than that. What do you think? Actually, well, we, we discovered last year that the Japanese have a, te- uh, a, a saying for walking through a wood. It's called tree bathing. That's and right. I talked a little bit about that. Yes. Shinrin Yoku. Also, yeah, I, 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 would, I couldn't pronounce the Japanese. I expect my wife could because she lived there for a while. Ah, but, that's okay. Um, oh, good. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those places I'd love to go to. It's on my list. Oh, yeah. Um, but the other thing we discovered was that just recently that many of the trees that are planted today are male only. Oh. And that's causing a tremendous problem with pollen and allergies. Wow. That is and, eye-opening. And it never occurred to me. Yeah. And, and, and Tom Ockram, um, who we interviewed a couple of weeks ago, has a book on allergies which you might find really fascinating it's oh yeah he blames the demise of the elm tree because the elm tree was diacaceous or something like that it was male and female and and thus the bees and the butterflies were able to pollinate um, the trees themselves there was less pollen and as they died the urban authorities everywhere uh, planted a whole group of plants or trees rather that were all male single sex wow. and so you've got a tremendous amount of pollen but no pollination anywhere and so the food for the butterflies and the um the birds and the uh, bees is seriously reduced but the allergies have seriously gone up does that makes total sense to me because yeah it does I, make sense total sense to me boy hey john i'm gonna i'm gonna steer us back to your book for just a second okay. I, trees are are um yeah they're like the what are, they're like the foundation almost i mean but one thing that you've you've talked about is like your signature is creating peace in yeah. a garden yeah. so when you approach a space how do you start to discern i mean what are some of the basic principles that make a garden feel peaceful oh so i have three guidelines 
when I start the book here, just telling people what are the three main attributes of a peaceful outdoor setting. And I, it's simplicity, sanctuary, and delight. And I'd like to just tell you what those three mean. Simplicity refers to just simple lines, whether it's the line of a walk or the line of a plant bed or the line of some steps, anything. It doesn't have to be rigid. It doesn't have to be symmetrical. They found that we respond to to gentle curves, that they've done studies and they found people respond um, positively to gently curved lines uh, more than they do to straight rectilinear lines. The uh, famous uh, quote, Capability Brown, uh, the uh, British landscape designer in the 18th century, called it the sinuous line of grace the curved line. Yeah, I see that in your book. Yeah, that's oh, yes, a beautiful that. phrase. Yeah, so that's that's like what I refer to as simplicity or the fact that you don't have to have a whole bunch of different flowers or plants. You can have one big mass of one plant and it, that's simplicity, it, you know, the whole grouping. And sanctuary is when you feel psychologically protected. So what I talk about under sanctuary, it's like having your back protected and um, say, for example, what I call the lure of the sheltered corner. If you have your mm-hmm. outdoor setting or your outdoor chairs there, if if you have a hedge to the, behind you or, or a, a low wall or even a large tree behind you, that gives you a feeling of sanctuary. It doesn't necessarily have to be an overhead pergola or anything like that. And we just like that feeling of being somewhat protected, our back protected. Kind of like when you go into a restaurant, you know, and you survey the restaurant where you want to sit. You I want to sit with your back protected with the view out in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's the same idea. And then the last thing is delight, simplicity, sanctuary, and delight. And delight is anything that makes you happy, you personally. And so it's different for everybody. It could be uh, could be a bunch of pots strewn around, you know, filled with vegetables, or it could be, you know, uh, uh, roses and hydrangeas, or it could be a, a simple stone rock garden. That's the personal aspect. And those three things together make a beautiful, harmonious setting of any size. I have a very small yard and I have that and it really does feel peaceful. Yeah, so it really isn't the size that matters. It's totally how you have structured the space and had it flow. Exactly. Well, I think I think also one one of the things we used to try and do, admittedly it was in England because it seems to we we have wall-to-wall grass here, although I'm I'm with you. I have a tiny garden here with a about 400 hornbeam going around it as a hedge Wow! because it gives me Oh, it's fabulous. About 16 foot high at the moment. They reduced my air conditioning to almost zero. And uh, they look fantastic. Of course, the neighbors complain because they've they've all got open plan gardens. (laughs) (laughs) They like their lawns. Yeah, but you see, in in, in England, you, you have fences and hedges and everything everywhere. So you've got compartmentalized gardens. Um, is the norm but what we used to like to do was to put a pathway so you could perambulate around the garden yes. and, and that got people looking and seeing and, and so you could put little vistas and, and, and little interesting parts but we discovered that 
and, um, and I think it sort of relates a little bit to just exactly what you've just said. We, we found that there were certain modules that worked really well. And so we, once we discovered that module, we kept it. it it's a bit like saying that a radius on a brickwork couldn't really be down below three foot because if it did, the cutting and everything was looked out of position, if that makes uh-huh. sense. Exactly. So, yeah, and, 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 and so I think point, that's exactly what you're saying. Yes, exactly. And the uh, whole idea of what you call perambulation, I talk a little bit about that too, about having the loop walk where you could just stop and look at something and maybe use this this technique called hide and reveal that the Japanese use so well where they strategically place a bush or a rock or, or, or a wall or something to hide the view ahead so you'd have to go around to see what's beyond. And Absolutely. that always works well, too, and something like that, just to make more interest. But it also creates movement, doesn't it? So. Yeah, and it pulls you forward, right? Because you want yeah. to see what's around that corner or around that bush or whatever. So have you predominantly been designing for residential or do you do commercial as well? I started out doing mostly commercial, and then I went into residential, and now I do both. But my book actually just talks about residential. You know, I'm trying to, uh, uh, in my book, I'm trying to uh, talk to homeowners and, and inspire them to create outdoor settings. But I absolutely love to do larger scale things. Because um, the, the, the techniques that I discuss apply to any size, as we were saying. It, oh, absolutely. They, they're fairly universal. One of the interesting things I talk about is about... Uh, Gardening in tune with the four directions. I don't know if you saw that or not. Did you see that? No. About yeah, the discuss four? that a little bit. Let's, let's yeah, that's discuss re- that. That's, that's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, and it goes back to, to Chris's understandings where, you know, like he was talking about the elm trees and how, like, in our, we, we don't see the whole picture, right? Like, we didn't see the whole picture about the elms needing the males and the females for the insects and birds to survive. Well, in, in ages past, our ancestors were very tuned into the four cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west. Um, they called them the four winds. Of course, nowadays, you know, nobody knows about north, south, east, west. They don't, if you ask them where, what part of the sky does the sun travel in, they wouldn't know that it travels in the southern part of the sky, at least in the northern hemisphere, I should say. Um, you know, GPS has kind of taken away that whole understanding, mm-hmm. right? I mean, kids just put on GPS and go wherever they're told yeah, to go. it's true. It's but true. But so in the uh, older traditions, when they sighted a house or when they sighted a garden, the four directions had specific qualities. And I did some research into this, and the, all all cultures assign the same qualities. So, for example, whether it was Hawaiian or whether it was Asian or whether it was European or Native American, they all said the same things about the four directions. And I'm just going to be very brief here. But, like, for example, in my book I talk about it, that north, the shady side of the house, the shady side of the trees, north is quiet and shady and is the direction of earthy contemplation because it's quiet right it's the shadows right. 
And so stable elements such as heavy boulders or, or stone sculptures, they fit within the north side where, where everything's a little bit more peaceful. Evergreens grow better there. And so if you were, have, if you have a view out to the north side of your house, I suggest that should be the viewing garden or the contemplative garden or the sculpture garden because that's what is just, you know, that's what goes there. That's what fits right, with that side. Exactly. Right. And then, um, south on the other hand, where the sun lives, the, su- the noonday sun is high in the sky and the south is flooded with sunlight. That's where the flowers go. That's where the celebrations happen. That's where the colorful banners should be. There's no accident that the White House has the South Lawn for all its events because that's where everything flourishes, expansiveness, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you get to East, and East is considered the most auspicious direction in all cultures. In all cultures, the great libraries of the world even like even new york city library the chicago library all the great libraries were built with all the windows facing east and the gothic cathedrals were all built so the congregation faces east that's true the reason for this of course you're going to say that the sun rises in the east and so it was an attempt to get the the morning light which is absolutely correct but it was a little bit more than that, and that is um, that we actually do our best thinking when we face east. And huh. you say, well, how has that happened, right? They did study. That can explain they, a lot of my problems. Like you, <laughs> if you have, if you have right an direction. office, <laughs> yeah, if you have an office, you should actually make sure that your your table and your desk face to the east. Interesting. Like your chair, you should be facing east. So move that table around. Yeah, no, it does. My my chair actually faces east. His does. Yeah. His does and yours doesn't. Uh oh. His mind is clicking on all cylinders all the time. You know. Um, and then, but what they found was that, um, well, well, for example, you know, Chris, you were trained in architecture and engineering, right? Uh huh. So. When you lay out a building, there's a word that they use when they cite the building. I don't know well, if you know what you, you orient the building. Yeah. But what does orient keystone. mean? Well, orient, yeah, orient means east. What direction it's going to face. Orient means correct? east. Yeah. Orientation means east. All the, uh, the ancient traditions oriented their buildings to face east. You know, and gates. it's funny you should... It's funny you should say that because one of the things that I've always found fascinating about Europe, and I've traveled a lot of Europe, is that most of the churches all face the same direction. That's right. That's but they right. don't they, hear. And they don't hear. We, we lost it. I mean, the, the St. Patrick's in but New the, York City and St. John, the older ones do, but the, But there we must lost have been it. a real purpose for that, for all those people thinking or praying at the same time in the same direction that has to have a force yeah absolutely and and if you think about i mean i thought so much about this you know my theory and i'm not a scientist but my theory is that it has to do with the uh rotation of the earth and Hmm. that it goes in a certain sunwise direction and so that we are 
better facing in the east direction? I think you're probably right, because if you look at um, Stonehenge, Stonehenge yeah. has a whole series of straight lines, magnetic straight lines emanating from it, called ley lines, and they're still there. And oh. you can actually measure them. If you look, up, oh. look it up afterwards, you'll, you'll be stunned. They are definitely ley lines, and you can they definitely move a compass. Wow. That is interesting. Yeah, and they've been there for, well, thousands of years. Well, you know, and I, and I, the whole per, the whole thing of the four directions, the, and I should mention west, by the way, before I leave. The, the west is the direction of endings, the ending of the day, right? Like, south is the direction of celebration. West is the direction, what they call name and fame, because it's the end of the day. It's when you get together with, you know, one or two people and you recount what happened that day. Like, and, uh, so it's, it's, it's not big gatherings. It's small intimate groups with like the sunset terrace, um, in the shade of a tree. And that's West. Just so everybody can finish my discussion. This is so interesting, Jan. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I really uh, poured my heart out into this garden design book, and I try to re- re- relate it back to the garden at every chance I can get in my book. You know, oh. it's not just mm-hmm. going off into the ozone. I actually, you know. <laughs> you know no, I, I call it the ether. The, the, the ether, ozone yeah, that's better. Yes. <laughs> going off into the ether, so, yeah. When you say, when we first started this conversation, you mentioned that you look to the ancestors. Yeah. So I'm hearing you mention, you know, Japanese culture. I'm hearing you mention what sounds like Native American culture. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, right. Are there others that you're also referring to that, in particular, that well, have really uh, the Celtic. Uh, an influence on you? Celtic. Celtic, okay. The Celtic, you know, which is in the British Isles. Am I right? Chris, I'm yes. going on this. Well, it's just about in the British Isles. Yes, in the British Isles. Ireland. Yes. Well, it's actually Scotland, too. Yeah, right. that's true. It's Ireland and, and Scotland. And uh-huh. My, my ancestors I, I... spent a lot of time keeping them at north of the border, by the way. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> the poor Yeah, the, the, the Celtic people, um, they, they, of course, revered trees and other things, mm-hmm. but they, I looked to the Celtic in in information when I wrote about the the trees that speak to us because they uh, they had very specific ideas on what was what the hazel was for and what the the maple was for in terms of uh, its uh, ability to neutralize and uh, negativity and things like that so I looked to the Celts and I looked to the Japanese I looked to Hawaiians because I had lived in Hawaii, and they had such an, a, a clear understanding of the power of place, the Hawaiians. Oh, it's fabulous um, place, Hawaii. Fabulous. Right? It's just a very magical yeah. place, having lived there. And then, and then I, of course, I, I, I looked to um, the Indian version of feng shui, which is called vastu. I looked to Chinese mm. feng shui and Indian vastu, which is the same idea. It's the uh, geomancy or the understanding of the earth, especially when I talked in my last chapter, which is about color and how color is nature's catalyst and how we respond to color on on so many different levels and then how to incorporate that into your garden to make it a very serene outdoor space. So did you move the position of the uh, entrance door to the garden? 
in well, you relationship see it, to? It should say ceased, first of all, if you can, the entrance. But, but I, I, I seem to remember that the Japanese and, and well, or whoever's, um, um, they have a, a, in Hong Kong, they have these guys that come out and they make them change the absolute angle of the door to the most propitious, I can't say the word, Oh, propitious. The office, for example. Yeah. Propitious, yes, exactly. Yeah. So do you, do you follow that function and make them... Well, you know? I don't go in... You know, I'm not a feng shui master, so I don't go into that un- kind of understanding. I just take it back to the four directions because I feel that that we can all relate to, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a basic understanding. But I do talk about the way feng shui understands color because it just seems mm-hmm. that they their understanding... Um, is the same as other cultures' understanding. I think I think color is misunderstood by many people, and the effect it can have on the mood and how you start the day even makes a huge, huge difference. Absolutely, I agree with that. I agree Colorful with that too. Very powerful. Very powerful. Yeah, color. It's I like think music, we're... music and and color. I mean, they they can change your mood instantly. Right. Absolutely. And they're both. You know, so, they're both. Vibration. They both work on frequencies. If you think about it, but now I'm going off again. So yeah, let's go back to that a minute because I'm really interested in that part. Um, I've got a huge album collection, and I'm just wondering what rock records I can play to my plants. (laughs) (laughs) I think she said violin music. The plants like the violin music. Yeah, they like the. Of course, you know they did studies, and Mozart symphonies were the best, right? Sure. You know that, and just like the effects, Mozart is the best for our brain. You know, Mozart in D minor, yeah. I think it is. Um, Mozart yeah. for the plants. Is no, the that's best. unless you're a minor. If you're a minor, you definitely don't want that because you become <laughs> a flat minor. <laughs> oh, I don't know what's but, going on now. But so, like, when I tell people about creating out, serene outdoor spaces, one of the things they say is that the most restful colors to surround yourself, number one, is green. Well, isn't it nice of Mother Nature to surround us with green? And it really yeah. is. We see more shades of green than any other color. That we, yes. we can discern more shades of green than any other color. And nature provides those different shades, doesn't it? I mean, just, it's just all yes, yeah. I use a, lot a of symphony green. of green, really. I'm looking right yeah. now outside and I see all the different shades of leaf color and such. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was blue. And blue is the most popular color for gardens that, um, in terms of plant selection and flower selection. Yeah. And the nursery catalogs always have more blue flowers than anything else because that's what people want. Blue and purple. And pottery. Lots of blue pottery. I, was, I used to right. run a garden center, and oh, my goodness, I couldn't have enough blue pottery. At, yeah, it, and so I talk about that. I talk about creating the uh, the, the blue garden in, in in the book because people want it. I talk about the crisp sparkle of a white garden, and then I also talk about the blue garden. We um, we did one many years ago. I built flower, uh, Chelsea Flower Show garden. Wow! We used wow. I, I've done three. I think it's wow. I've got a friend who's done. 63, I think it was, wasn't it? Something like that. Alan's crazy. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, but this this particular Chelsea Flower Show garden, I had yellow stock walls and yellow plants and white plants and when we and, and a green lawn with a little bit of water. But when we finished, 
the the whole area just had this aura. Yeah. And it was bizarre because it was so intense. It's like and, sunshine. And I'd never achieved that before. And, and it was like, I've got to try this. So we tried it on somebody's garden and did a golden white garden. And they absolutely hated it. It was, but now you've explained it to me. And it was like, wow, I would have thought I would have loved it because it just looked so incredible. But, um, but they think, hated it because it was too bright, perhaps? Well, I think it, was, it, was, it wasn't calming enough. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yellow yeah. is a very hot color. It, 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 it made them sort of on edge because mm-hmm. they couldn't relax. Mm-hmm. And, and I learned quite a bit from that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a bit like using red. I, I tend to only use red as an um, accent. accent plant right at the very beginning, mainly so I can get a nice picture because you've got to have red in a picture somewhere. That's, <laughs> you're so right about that. I talk about that. I talk about the pop of red. Yes, mm-hmm. that's all it needs. And then the rest wants to be light and blue and gray and yellow and white, and it goes off, and it makes the thing look sort of expansive, and, and you follow your eye around. But I, I've always tried to keep as just a few spots of red. Mm. Just, you know. That's Jan, exactly. if our listeners, um, and they're from all over the world, they're people that will visit our blog or our website, are, if they're interested in getting a hold of you or getting a hold of your book, can you give oh, us, yeah. would you share some information about how people can find out more about you and your writings? Oh, thanks so work? much, yes. So the name of the book is Heaven is a Garden, you know, and that's on Amazon, of course, and in your local bookstores, and we want you to go to the local bookstore. Go to the local bookstore, please, everybody. Yeah. But the other thing is I do have a garden blog, and it's called Serenity in the Garden, and I try to write in it at least every other day. And it's uh, I've had it for about five years now, Serenity in the Garden. I talk about either, you know, wonderful plants or I share great ideas or I sometimes wax poetic. It has the same flavor as my book. And then lastly, I'm on Facebook, and that is uh, Heaven is a Garden on Facebook page, which I love Facebook. So... Yeah, Facebook is a wonderful tool. Oh, it's so great, yeah. It is so great. So do you have a website as well? I have a, my company has a website. It's called Johnson Landscapes and Pools, and I use my blog as my website where I, I give the list of my upcoming talks. I'm going to be talking in, in uh, the Newport Flower Show and at the Con- Connecticut Horticultural Society and... Um, I'm going to be talking. Oh, I'm talking in Kansas City next year. Oh, you are? Oh, yes, I am. In February. I see it. I see a lunch or dinner date in your future. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. Because it, it would be great. Yeah, in the end of February, I'll be in Kansas City. Oh, speaking. wonderful! Not the yeah. best time of year to visit Kansas City, but. No, I know. Uh, I know. I get to go to all these wonderful places. The worst time of year. I went to Seattle to give a talk there at the Northwest Flower Show, but it was, you know, when end of February. Boo. So. <laughs> well, I just found your uh, your website on Facebook or your Facebook page. Oh, good. So he- Heaven I is a Garden, you found that. that? Yes, I just found it. Yes, beautiful. Oh, great. So I'm looking that, forward yeah. to following you. Yeah, I love That's posting. Nice. I love sharing. I, lo- I love to share with other people who are passionate about the outdoors. And I truly believe that the outdoors enhances our well-being on such a deeper level and that 
a lot. Uh, we have to get people outdoors. It's kind of like the way people feel about eating fresh food. I feel the same way, except that we have to get people out, you know, amongst the trees and breathing the air. I, and I think um, most of Europe does. I, I think the trouble here is that the the sad thing is that a lot of the planning that was done in the 50s has sort of prevented it from happening because there's not enough public transport and um, the way subdivisions were set up it's not really designed to walk to a shop or a store or something and I think that now your malls are disappearing if we can get rid of the setback problem of 140 feet which I noticed is a bit strange and single dwelling commercial buildings and have them integrated within a main um, development so that you have multi-use, multi-family and multi-office and and shopping, exactly that will happen. You sound like like Lewis Mumford, Chris. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Lewis Mumford, what was it, um, that that wonderful planning book he wrote? I forgot now, but... um... Oh, I might have that one. The one I've I've got that I I like is called Home from Nowhere. Oh, and it's oh. by it's by a guy called James Howard Kunstler, K U N S T L E R. Yeah. Remaking our everyday world for the 21st century. So it's a bit old, but um, I'll have really to I'll have to uh, look that one up too. Yes, but I totally agree with everything you just said. Small is beautiful. We have to we have to rediscover the the old ways. Is in, in in everything that we do, you know? Absolutely Ancient right. future. And it, it, Absolutely. I like that. Ancient future. That's a good phrase. The, the yeah. beauty is it brings the control back to you. Yep. And, and yep. that's this application of um, responsibility is not caused by the individual. It's caused by a collective trying to take control of it. And, and of oh. course, it never works. Never, always well, Jan, what do you see for going forward? What's your? Uh, do you have anything future books planned? Or I actually do have a future book planned. About? Yes, I, I actually have a future book planned. Um, very excited about it. Can't t- talk too much about it right yet, but yes, I, I actually do because I. Th- this book has really touched a nerve, as you can imagine. People are saying, um, "Yeah, I would like to create a beautiful outdoor setting." Because you see, just just like you said, you. There, you can't go far afield. We have to create these, this understanding in, in our backyard, no matter how small it is. I mean, I grew up in little apartments. Absolutely. You know, I, I just had a fire escape when I was a kid, but I filled that fire escape up with planters, you know, to create my little garden. And that was my little bit of heaven. And I think yes. it really does calm us down. I think, you know, if, if people came home from being in these office environments well, and and had that, they'd be they'd be a lot happier. But yes, I am. Thank I you. I am writing another book and looking forward to speaking. This, and if anybody wants to have me come speak to their their garden club or whatever, I'm more than happy to do it. Awesome. I, I think there's another thing we can do, and and I believe Los Angeles is copying. Uh, there's, a, there's a city in, well, not city. It's a town. They're all towns, really, unless they've got a cathedral in England. Um, I think oh. it's called. Todd Morden, and Todd Morden is in either Cornwall or somewhere like that, and they've taken their open spaces and they're growing veggies in them. See? And they allow people to help themselves. And it's all over the whole of the town. So what happens is 
you, you, people go out and they plant the veggies and they grow and they've got little lists on them or what they are and anyone can help themselves to whatever's there in the right time. Wow. Um, I, well, I think it's a fabulous idea because it's, it gives people education. At the same time, somebody who might like an apple or a, or, or a potato or a tomato or something can have one. <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter. There's nothing wrong with it. And, and don't you think it would be a great idea to sort of emulate that in, in maybe controlled ways all over the place? Oh, I do too. I, I think like, you know, like a Johnny Appleseed planted his apple trees everywhere we could you know do the same thing with carrot seeds or something and just yeah, seed carrots absolutely. and all the medians or whatever yeah why not i mean why not exactly we're watering them anyway we're irrigating everything why not grow some food yeah exactly subversive gardening right there <laughs> <laughs> well it depends if you're listening to Jimi hendrix probably but if you're listening to mozart it's a bit right. difficult to think that isn't it well, Jan, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you. Oh, thanks just, so much. I really enjoyed you, this. You give me a lot to think about. The four winds, I'm walking away with that, running around in my head, and about okay. which way my desks face. And That's my, yeah. just get people thinking, you know. Well, thanks again, and, okay. I, and I hope someday I can be back with you talking about some more fun, fascinating ideas. That would be great. I hope so, too. But definitely people that are listening can... You know, like your Heaven is a Garden Facebook page and your blog. What is the address for the blog? Heaven is a it Garden. It is Serenity in the Garden on Blogspot. Blogspot, okay. Yep, Serenity perfect. in the Garden. That's a perfect name for what you're doing. Thank you, Jan. Mm, I really appreciate it. Thank you it. so much. Thanks, Anne. Thank, Thanks, thank Chris. You, Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you all for listening today. We really appreciate your support and tuning in on Growing Trends. Again, make sure to look for us on growingtrends.org for the podcast, or we all are, are on iTunes. You can look for us as Growing Trends there as well. Look for the blonde and the brunette.